Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. You've discovered your link to GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat podcast. Now, here's your host, GoPowerCat.com publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Welcome to another edition of the PowerCat Questions podcast brought to you by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. I am Tim Fitzgerald, joined by Zach Carlson and Ryan Gilbert as we do this every week. Zach's rattling around in the background. I think he was putting down a beer can. I don't know, but I hope that beer can was purchased at the Fridge Wholesale Liquor. I can say that. Get into the fridge. Go to the fridge. Hey, it's KU week next week, and I know it's 11 a.m. kick, but you can't tailgate anyhow. But here is my suggestion. Go to the fridge, get a 12-pack, and chug it in the parking lot car before you go inside. That is why I am a life coach. Did did you say no, Zach? No, please drink responsibly. That's not responsible. Well, I'm not asking them to be in motion with the car. Put the car in park and... uh, and chug. That's like uh, one of my life models. Don't drink and drive. Pull over and chug. Man, I, <laughs> every beer commercial after says, please drink responsibly. And I think. <laughs> I don't know why they have to say that. Why, why does the government make them say that? I don't. Does the government make them say that? Or they just feel socially responsible that they got to say, please drink responsibly. I, I feel like that's probably a legal thing uh-huh. that I feel like we should also follow, too. I feel like Southpaw might weigh in on that. <laughs> I, man, I miss the old days of commercials. Uh, so somehow Billy Martin, the former Yankees manager, has been mentioned on Twitter a lot lately. And it got me thinking about those great uh, Miller Lite commercials back in the day, less filling, more taste, and they'd have arguments. Yeah. And one of them was they had two sides in a tug of war and a bunch of chicks in bikini tops. And I'm thinking – you know, aside from the glorification of drinking that they're doing in this commercial, I don't think you'd get away with that nowadays. I I just don't know. But it obviously worked. It's stuck in my mind for the last 40 years or maybe longer. Gills, you don't remember that ad at all, do you? No, sir. Uh, one of the great ad campaigns of all time. Great taste. Less filling. I think that was it. I don't know. This is the GoPowerCat.com PowerCat podcast. Hey, uh, Sources podcast is up, and uh, we pushed this one back this week just to kind of have a little Friday fun day stuff. It's like uh, the overtime with no overtime. So Yeah. And no no bells and whistles. It's just going to be us answering questions like any other questions podcast, but it's on a different day of the week. And here we go. Oh, our segment sponsors are Tanners and the Hilo. And we love them, and we adore them, and we miss them. Gills, ask some questions from Wabash Station. Real quick before we get into uh, the questions from our score predictions. God's sakes. Oh, I give him one job, and then he goes, no, boss, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to do my thing. Screw you. This is my podcast. I'm in charge here. Claws Out, Balls Out was within six points. 
of the Texas Tech game on the score predictions thread. So shout out to you. And then Cameron Cro Cameron 45 Coger and KM Wildcat were both within three points of the TCU game. So here's a huge shout out to you guys. I'm sorry. I, I got you guys in here. Fitz is mad at me, but That's... you guys are more important than him, right? That's the truth, especially if your name is Claws Out, Balls Out. I mean, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna respect you quite a bit. Okay, you ready to ask questions from Wild Station? Yes, this okay. is it. We Do are it. ready. Do it. And nice First backlighting. Question. You know how I like some good, strong backlighting? And you've got yes. it. It's really good. good. Yeah. I wish they could see it. <laughs> First question is from KSU number one. Where does a TCU victory now place your ceiling and floor with this team? I, you know, I took this question. Um, this is my buddy Jake LeBon on 580 on Wednesday. But it was it was framed like this. With Skyler out and Howard in, how does that change your perception of what K State's ceiling is? And I don't, I don't really think there is one. If there is a change in it, I think this team has a couple losses in it for sure. I, mean, I just feel that way. But uh, if they do go seven and two in the Big Twelve, that probably will get them in the title game. I don't know. I mean, can Oklahoma State, Iowa State, and Kansas State all keep this up? Can they turn this into the the one-loss round robin, losing to everyone? I'm not sure, but uh, it's kind of fun having these state schools winning. I I feel like K-State's best games are ahead of them, and yet I feel like a couple losses are also ahead of them because they have had it easy in the schedule as we look at it now. They do have Kansas and West Virginia coming up. Kansas will be a win. That's my bold and daring prediction. Kansas State will beat Kansas next weekend at Bill Snyder Family Stadium. Write it down. You don't have to. You heard it here. Uh, West Virginia scares me a little bit. Going on the road. And, uh, you know, then they got Oklahoma State. And then it starts. They got, you know, some pretty serious games there. Baylor is on the schedule with all their COVID. And uh, I don't know. Just stay healthy and see what happens. I think if we want to call it a floor, probably five games, you know, you, you hit November and you got Oklahoma State. You got Iowa State, Texas in December. You know, you still got Baylor in there. That might be tough. But I don't think it's unrealistic to think that K-State could be 5-0 and going into the, the Oklahoma State game. They're going to beat Kansas. I'll, I'll bet everything on that. They're going to be 4-0 after next week. And if they – they beat West Virginia. They're five and zero. Oh. And if you remember, two thousand twelve, that West Virginia win was kind of the the page turner for that year. That was where everything was kind of realized. Oh, this this could happen here. I think that if they go into West Virginia and win, and, and if they you know if they play really well and it's not really in question, boy, you got to think. You know, this is the page turner here again. And you know, if if they're five and zero. Oh, going to the Oklahoma State game, that's probably a, the game of the week nationwide. Oklahoma State's probably going to be 4-0 or whatever they are after not playing Baylor. You know, that's probably going to be college game day, if I had to guess, Ooh. if that happens. So, Ooh. hot Ooh. take, there you go. I didn't so, even need to do it. Would, would you prefer college game day or big noon? Uh, like we've had on this discussion on Wabash the last couple of days, uh, ESPN is still the worldwide leader, and Fox has some catching up to do. But Big Noon has been very loyal to the Cats. They have. I think K-State's been Fox ex exclusive all year, haven't they? Yeah, yeah it's kind of weird. So, I don't understand that. 
Gills NFC team. Uh, does Kansas have a better chance coming to Manhattan and and being competitive if they play the game without less miles? Do mm. they improve? Wow. Now that's deep. Mm. That's what that's the that's the content that I bring. One? That's exactly <laughs> what I bring. When people think of Tim Fitzgerald, they think deep. They really do. Look, I just said two losses, but now I'm I'm beginning to reconsider this because I've already given them the Kansas win. I think they will win at West Virginia. That that one it might be one of the losses. They'll probably lose to either Oklahoma State or Iowa State. I would strongly prefer it to be Oklahoma State because I would like to beat Iowa State uh if like there was drag racing teams. I want K State to win that. I don't care what it is. And uh Baylor, a little scary. But as it comes to the confidence rating, uh it doesn't match Kansas coming to Manhattan, but Texas in December with what might be a lame duck or interim coach feels pretty good on the confidence meter right there, Zach. Texas yeah. in December, if the game is played in 50 degrees or cooler weather, the Texas players will think they're getting frostbite. I that There's nothing more solid in my gambling lexicon than betting on the home team playing a warm weather team uh, in cold weather. You know, if they go to Iowa yeah. State or KU or K-State, they don't like it. Hell, I've seen it happen in basketball. They don't like it. They just don't like it at all. And at that point, Texas will just be mailing it in. So maybe if they get through West Virginia, maybe it's, I don't know, that's going to be huge. That's a very good question to start with. Huh. Yeah. We'll get into some more predictions in the second half well, that's about what teaser. the season will look like. But we're going to we're going to talk player personnel a little bit, but not the person you want to talk about. That'll <laughs> also be on the second half. So, man, I was ready to talk Blake Lynch. Ooh, next half, <laughs> but a short topic. <laughs> next question You're from TN Cat. With the news on Skylar Thompson, who is our third quarterback that would be behind Nick Ost? Well, Jaren that's Jaron Lewis. Yeah, Jaron Lewis. Um, who they never mention. And I almost wonder if, if up until the Thompson injury, they weren't beginning to experiment with him at another spot or something. I'm not sure. I mean, if, I you're, if you're short on receivers, he seems like a guy that might be able to fill that role. I'm not sure. I think look, trying to remember back to the Oklahoma game and seeing the guys warming up, I don't think Jaron Lewis, at least he, if he was there, he didn't warm up with the quarterbacks. And I feel like somebody would have mentioned it if he was warming up at another position. So I think hmm. I think he's been solidly fourth string, you know, up until now. And It seems like he would have gone to Fort Worth because he'd have been third string. No, no, he was. Sorry. No, I didn't, hadn't got to that. He was No, he was there. He was the third string. He was fourth string. Until Skyler goes down. Now he's he made the travel roster. He did travel to TCU and he was warming up. Um, but you know, you you look down the depth, you still gotta have, you know, quarterbacks at quarterback just in case, you know. I mean, God forbid Nick Ost or Will Howard go down, you know, and you know, you know, they, it just moves up. So somebody has to play quarterback at that point and you still need a guy, but um, if if that I'm, happens, I'm interested. if that happens, I want Ryan Gilbert to play so someone else can evaluate his quarterback play. What what I <laughs> I'm down. What, I'm down. What I'm interested in seeing though is if Will Howard does have some struggles 
I'm not convinced that we're going to see Nick Ost 100% of the way. I think if, if Will Howard, for whatever reason, goes down, isn't able to play, I think you're going to see any and everything. And I think Jaron Lewis is probably one of those options. We're back to this. The short-term replacement's probably Nick Ost. The long-term might be low, uh, Jaron Lewis. Who knows? Yeah, I don't know. But, yeah, he's there. He's uh, I, I can see him eventually moving. I mean, hell, if Skyler comes back next year, probably get into that. But if Skyler comes back next year and you have Ost and Howard and Rubley, Jaron Lewis got to be going, uh, what, what am I doing here? <laughs> what? I mean, I would be moving positions or honestly schools at that point. But yeah. um, we'll see. But I feel I still feel good about the quarterbacks. The only reason I – getting back to my original answer when, when Jake LeBon asked me about – the outlook of the team now with Thompson and uh, Howard instead of Thompson is when you had Thompson, you had Howard behind him. Uh, and I think there will be a drop-off if Howard has to go out for an injury and Nick Ost comes in. I like Nick. I think he's solid. I think he can get you through a game. But I think there is a significant drop-off there with the backup quarterback compared to what you had with Thompson and Howard. So, yeah, we'll see. Yeah. From KSU number one, does anyone see a position change for Jaron Lewis in the future now that Howard has moved above him and Rubley coming in? Well, I didn't know that was going to be asked. Yeah, I do. I, I think it's probably best. Um, you know, wide receiver or safety are the most likely places. They're going to have to supplement receiver. I'd move Mosey over there right now during this off week if, you know, if everyone else is healthy at running back. And he could still <laughs> pop back there. But – uh, yeah, I think he's going to have to move or he, barring a lot of injuries, a disaster, a bus crash with the first team offense, he's probably going to have problems getting on the field. From Powercat Ryan, does K-State need Will Howard to win games for them or to just not lose games for them? That's a pretty good point. Zach? I, I think that's a little bit of both. I think you're going to see moments where he is absolutely going to have to shine if they want to win. But on the other hand, it's going to be a lot of Deuce Vaughn, a lot of Bradley Moore that you need to count on. And he just needs to get them the ball. And, and some of it's going to be, you know, if, if they've got a lead, you know, keeping the defense off the field, just running that clock down, you know, not losing the game there. Um, you know, I, I think that he's, I mean, he's still young. He's still inexperienced. I think he's going to have to be nails in a game um to win one at some point i think um but i i i'd probably lean towards just don't lose them at this point i think yeah uh i think you can look at these last two weeks and understand how they want to use him uh, clearly at tcu it was don't lose the game don't make the mistake don't do something the defense has got this we've scored enough don't screw this up just manage the clock. We're going to try to run the ball, run it out. Then he trips and falls down. But uh, for the most part, he did a good job of that. Texas Tech the week before was a little bit different. He did come in with a lead, and then the lead got squandered, and then they had to ask him to make some throws. And so I think they're going to try to not put undue pressure on him and ask him to make a bunch of throws during the course of the game where he could get into a bad rut. 
Um, you got to have some throws at some point of the game, but for the most part, I think they're going to be very conservative with him, put him in positions to succeed. And then if you get in the final five minutes of the game and you need plays, I think they feel good that he can make the plays. They just don't want to put him in the position to failing trying to make the plays unless they really have to. So I think it's a great question, and I would say yes and yes. They're going to try to do both within the same package of of what they're trying to accomplish. Are you ahead? Then be very conservative with him. Do you need to make up some ground? Then open it up for him and you know see if he can win the game. The coaching staff kind of has – a little bit of a predicament here just because it's, it's pretty obvious they don't want him to be going out and, and winning the games. You know, they were very conservative, especially against TCU. And when you're down, like you said, five minutes to go, what are you going to do? You know, you can't just um, sling him. The, you know, if, he, if he's been conservative all game, then he's not used to, you know, making those big plays. So it, it's tough. You know, there, there's two sides to the argument. I can see them both. But right now, I, um, I think he just needs to not, lose the games for Kansas State moving forward. Uh, to, to add to it, it's kind of like marriage. You, <laughs> you just you spend your life trying not to screw up. And and then if you don't screw up long enough, uh, you get to stay married. And you don't lose your job, which in this case is husband. That was a nice yawn. Zach is Zach. yawning at this. Zach Sorry. stuck in a big <laughs> yawn, yawn right in the middle of my really <laughs> riveting point I was making. Let's move on to the next question. Next question is from 3G Wildcat. What is the status of our wide receiver core? It feels like we are now trying to move players into this role from other positions on the field. Yeah, I, I would. Um, I mean, they had already moved DJ Render over earlier. Um, you know, moved him back technically since he was a receiver, then a safety last year, and then a receiver. I still don't know where he came from last week because he never was mentioned by the coaches. And all of a sudden, I'm like, who is that catching passes? Yeah, DJ Render, who's a great kid. Um, I would, I would try to find out, you know, find some other guys. Um, I would be more generous and move Sammy Wheeler out there maybe once in a while, put him in the slot. Um, like I said, I'd love to see Mosey. Out there, use his speed. He's fourth on the running back depth chart, as far as I can tell, and they're trying to grab him a play here and there. But Tyler, lock at him, man. Get him in the slot. Make him let him go run, run real fast and catch balls. I like that role for him a lot, especially if you're going to already have a small scat back type of guy in Deuce. Find another role for him. Yeah, I think hopefully this bye week they're finding somebody. And uh, my bold prediction for the KU game and maybe not even for the KU game, cause you might not need to use them. Just, I mean, that's just kind of the reality of it, but for West Virginia, you might see some, you know, one of these guys that we're mentioning, you know, they're playing a different position. They're playing wide receiver. Um, you know, like you mentioned, Mosey would be good to put out there. Um, but w- when you have guys like Seth Porter, Landry Weber and DJ Render, as three guys out on the field at the same time, you got to ask yourself, what are you doing? You know, what, what is going on right yeah, now? You lose a lot uh, of explosiveness with that trio. I mean, that's just the honest truth. You, yeah. They're not as explosive. And um, I, I think Sebastian Taylor can really be special. I would keep pushing him. They got to get Malik Knowles on course, but man, if I had to guess right now, he's not going to survive either. Cause he's been off course. So it's just, it's really troubling right now. Great piece by Ryan Wallace at Go Power Cat and a VIP piece. 
delving into the receiver problems, going back to recruiting some of the guys that left. Don't forget, like Hunter Risen, who was very promising, but had some off-the-field issues. It's really good VIP coverage kind of stuff that uh, our staff does for our subscribers. That was a that was an ad right there. Stuck, yeah. stuck it right in, effortlessly. <laughs> Another thing to think about, though, is what if one of these guys that's out on the field, you know, with Howard being a backup, you know, he's going to be throwing to a lot of guys that aren't necessarily number ones in practice. And maybe there's a connection there. You know, if you think about Skylar Thompson and Dalton Schoen, they had a pretty good connection throughout, you know, their careers. Um, you know, maybe Will Howard has that with one of those other guys. I don't know. But, you know, he was targeting DJ Render a lot on Saturday. Um, I wonder if, you know, maybe that's kind of a situation there. Maybe to be seen. But, you know, I think somebody's going to either – you know, move positions or one of those guys is going to have to step up. Kind of going back to the, the point we had earlier, you talk about Render, you know, Porter and these guys, Weber going in at wide receiver. I mean, obviously it's because there's a shortage there, but I think it kind of works out if the coaching staff wants to be conservative, you know, like I mentioned, just because those are not, like you said, Fitz, those aren't the explosive guys. So it, it all kind of works out and comes together yeah. and they can, they can use that to their, to their, to their advantage. Yeah, that's a very good point. I hadn't thought of that. If they feel like they're reliable, not going to turn the ball over, not going to screw up, they're going to block downfield, which Landry Weber is a very good blocker. I mean, I, he's jumped out on, you know, plays a couple times for me, sealing off the edge on stuff. So, yeah, I see your point. Next question from Claws Out, Balls Out. Is it too early to evaluate Jason Ray? We seem to have regressed. Yeah, I, you know, I'm not in a position really to get into that. I, I mean, I could say that the receivers are underplaying, and at the end of the day, that lies at the feet of the coach. I mean, I think that's obvious. Now, whether some of the problems we're seeing with the receiving core, like Youngblood, possibly like Knowles, um, if that lays at his feet too, I'm not sure. That's where I don't know the inner workings. But I think it's certainly a discussion worth having within the confines of the veneer complex i wonder if that is being discussed um or thought of but for now i think it's just you know fix this you know go go help fix this and we'll see if he can if he can that's a that's a big feather in his cap yeah i agree and i think it's it probably is still too early you know it's this is only year two it's during this weird pandemic you have these transfers and it's not just transfers at wide receiver it's across the team i think that you know, he, he probably deserves another year before you're you're too critical on him. And if if this if if next year looks like this year it does at wide receiver and recruiting doesn't really shape up in the way that it needs to, yeah, I'd be be a little worried and it probably you know, some of the blame needs to go to him at that point. Last question of the first half from GT Cat. Four games in, I would consider this O line better than service serviceable but still not quite consistent enough to call good. Where would you slot them? That's pretty good. I, I agree with it. it um, they're getting enough done right now, but they have a lot of room for improvement. I think um, they're beginning to sort it out. I think Carver Willis has helped that he's playing. I think his upside is obvious. Uh, I, I, I still, Katori Leviston still concerns me. I don't think he's playing up to the standards you need at a Big 12 institution, particularly for a left tackle. I think they're better with him as the backup. I just do. I don't like criticizing players harshly, but I don't think he's been good. 
I think he's missed a lot of blocks. He doesn't finish blocks. And he's put his quarterbacks in, in peril at times this year. I do have to compliment Connor Riley. They've come a long ways under his tutelage. That first game was awful, awful. Uh, but that was almost, in hindsight, now expected with no spring drills and very little summer stuff. Hard to build an offensive line from scratch if you can't scratch. You know, I mean, they just haven't ever had a chance to get together and, and practice. We're seeing improvement. And maybe this week with having another off week, they can get some more uh, cohesiveness into that unit and then probably have some success against a very sketchy Kansas defense running the ball and then maybe build ahead of steam into the finish. We'll see. But they got to settle on five guys. they got to get Cooper Beebe back, whether or not he's going to be starting on the line or as a backup. If that's a backup, then suddenly you've got some depth there because he can play guards or tackles, and, and I think it really helps you. Yeah, I agree with everything you say there, Fitz. Yeah. I think, yeah. Uh, I wouldn't call him better than serviceable. I'd call them serviceable. But I think the next, you know, you get the bye week, you get Kansas, which is an easy game. As much as I don't like saying it, K-State's going to win that game probably pretty handily. And it's, it's a good opportunity for K-State to get some experience. And if they get out to a, a decent lead, um, you know, you can put in some of those backups. You know, hopefully, you know, find, find some experience for these guys going into the rest of the season. I think it's just the, the way that there was no spring ball. They had limited time to get a brand new offensive line together. You know, I think we're just going to see a steady incline. Even, even if, you know, they don't have, you know, great improvement week to week. I still think they're going to improve and learn about themselves to get to a point by the end of the season where, yeah, they're going to be considered good and more than serviceable. You know, back to my descriptions of what it's like to be married, I like to think of myself as a better than serviceable husband. I took the trash down this morning to the curb. It's there. It got picked up. And I think that's like uh, blocking on a touchdown run. I, that's just that's just me. I, I don't know. I hold myself to a mediocre standard. That's it for the first half of the Powercat Questions podcast. We'll be back on the other side. And I am told, I am told we're going to talk about, well, you know who we're going to talk about. It, surely, you know who we're going to talk about, right? Well, if you don't, you got to come back. The Powercat Podcast will be right back. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
We now send it back to the PowerCat Podcast. Welcome back to the PowerCat Questions Podcast. You ask the questions at Wild Bass Station, we answer on this podcast for the whole world to hear. Now available in Mandarin Chinese. Gills spends his off time translating it, and he's <laughs> people don't know this. He's fluent in 17 languages. Swahili and Mandarin are among the two, among the 17. Two among, what? <laughs> I'm not fluent in English, but I am Tim Fitzgerald, Ryan Gilbert, as I mentioned, and Zach Carlson. We are your trio, and we are all nappy. That I mean, we want to take naps. I don't know if that's a white right word there but we're sponsored by the fridge um and if you are someone who enjoys a toddy hot or cold toddy doesn't matter um go to the fridge and say i want your toddies and see if they know what the hell you're talking about zach's yawning again while i'm speaking Sorry. it's getting a little <laughs> bit uh I'm, I'm a little paranoid about it now uh, our segment sponsors are uh, the hilo and tanners. Now, when you go to the Hilo, you're required by law. Uh, it's it's a mandate, pandemic mandate, to order the pepperoni bricks. Um, with a mask off, you can eat them with the mask off. That's when you go to uh, Tanners, you're uh, required by law to say hello to Charlie and order whatever Charlie says you're supposed to order. Good luck with that. Let's get on to the questions. Wabash Station now. Here is Ryan Gilbert. Was that it? Was was the breath at the end too much? That was good. I got goosebumps just thinking about that. That's great. From uh, first, first, I already messed up. You're so good. You're so good at this. Of the second half from Wildcat Pilot eighty eight. You put too much pressure (laughs) on me. How much of Josh Youngblood's leaving was due to jealousy over Deuce Vaughn stealing the spotlight? I don't think so. I, I don't. I, I just think I think you can chalk this one up to the pandemic. I, you know, if you're a football player, a young football player at Kansas State, you are in spring semester. You go through spring football. You get your finals taken. You go home to Tampa or wherever you're from for a couple weeks, and then you come back and you're with your teammates and you're in off-season workouts. Instead, he went home for like four months. And all of his guys and his family probably filled him up with how incredible he is. And you're the star and you need to touch the ball on every snap. And, you know, it's just, it's hard to blame the kid. I mean, I can't imagine what I would have been like if I received national acclaim as an 18, 19 year old freshman at Kansas State for anything I did. Anything. I, you know, but sports and football and you're an All-American and people are talking about you, greatest possible kick returner ever, and you're talking about being an incredible receiver. Man, it blew up on him. And he's going to look back and realize that this is on him. And, and, and I don't mean that to be harsh, but I think we saw it with Marcus Foster, the same comparison I made in my column for subscribers at Go Power Cap. Marcus, once he settled in at Creighton, you saw what happened in his, what turned out to be his final game. When he got to see Bruce Weber, he hugged him because he knew at that moment that coach had been right about everything he'd been telling him about how to take care of business. And he had to go somewhere else 
but he learned how to do exactly what Coach Weber had said, how to take care of business. And everything that Kleiman and Jason Ray or any other coach on this staff is telling Josh Youngblood, when he goes somewhere else, he's going to have to take care of his business off the field. Whether it's personal life or just working out on your own, nothing is handed to you. Nothing. The greatest players also work the hardest. And if you think you're good enough to just kind of cruise, I got news for you, man. You're not. You're you're not. And that's what happened here. He just kind of cruised and expected things to just be given to him. If you can't run a route and you don't know the playbook well enough, how the hell are you going to be the star receiver? So I, I, I wish him well. I think he'll do extremely well once he finds a new place and they communicate exactly what he needs to hear that, you got to take care of your stuff. you got to set an example. If you want to be the best player on the team, you also have to set an example. Uh, you know, I, I told a buddy this. This kind of wandering off track, but uh, I admire Chris Kleiman for taking what is one of his better players and saying, you know, we, we can't have you around anymore. You're done. Now, I, I think he... I think he was kicked off and he put his name in the portal. But it doesn't really matter if he's kicked off or he quit. He wasn't going to be around. And I think for a coach, that's a decision that I think comes with experience. And I don't know if he faced it at North Dakota State or what, but sometimes getting rid of a good part makes everything better. And I sense a guy like Tom Herman – puts up with guys like that, lets them hang around the locker room because he can't get over the fact that this guy can make a play that can help me win a game, that can maybe give me a Big 12 championship, maybe give me to a bowl, maybe a national championship. If I get enough of these guys, I can win. And you know what? That's the wrong answer. Slow down there with the national championship. Yeah, that's the wrong answer. You're not going to win anything with guys that aren't participating in the team atmosphere. Guys that are that good but don't want to set an example and want to do things the wrong way, you got to get them out, man. You got to get them out. It's it's poison in the system. And I like Josh a lot. He was great to talk to as a freshman. Uh, but, you know, when Marcus Foster came back for his sophomore year, the first time I talked to him, that was not the same kid I had dealt with for an entire basketball season when he was humble and doing things the right way. You can't stop working. You're never good enough. Do you think LeBron goes home at night and thinks, hey, I don't need to shoot jumpers tomorrow. I'm good enough. I won won the NBA championship this year. I could probably really not do anything. I can take the summer off and and just go hang out, and and then I'll I'll play next year and be good enough. No, that's not what guys like him and Kobe and anyone else in sports thinks. That's a long answer. See, to add to your point, and I agree with everything you say, Fitz, but I can't help but wonder how much of his injury over the summer and his surgery and the recovery from that, how much that also plays into this a little bit. Because trying to recover from something, you know, in an off season where you're not really training like you normally would is probably as tough. I know he's he he's been healthy to play this year. Um, and he's, you know, he's been suited up. He has played, you know, I just, I, I still wonder and have this, this doubt in my mind that was he really truly back to where he was, um, and, and how much work would he have to do now to get back to what he was? And I, I feel like there's kind of a gap there. 
that, you know, it might've affected his, you know, his focus there that, you know, he needed to do a lot more work, but was he willing to put it in to get back out on the field? Mm-hmm. And that, that's kind of where, what I think as far as what happened for him. Yeah, that's another layer. You mentioned that. He did. He wasn't on for four months. He was here because he lived with the damn Climans. They got a they got a waiver from the NCAA mm-hmm. to let him live there uh, because he needed to recoup from this, you know, surgery on his shins. They he was in a wheelchair. They brought him into his house what for three weeks. Fed him. Put up. He fed them. Yeah, that's a mean. Uh, so yeah. I, I'm, I'm like, what? When Coach Kleiman came to him and said. Josh, we need you to do more. We need to, you know, we need that. How do you turn away from a man who just did this for you? Yeah. It, it bugs me. It, it bugs me, but uh, uh, ego is a scary thing, and, uh, you know, I hope he gets it in check. Next question from I Like Pickles Cat. Does young blood transferring improve the attitude and focus of the receiver room in general? Was he a bad apple souring the whole patch? Ooh, I like that. I like the Sour Patch reference. Hey, I, I'm not sure. I'm not. I'm not sure if he was the problem in that room or just the problem in his own head. Uh, but I know Malik Knowles has been struggling with stuff, and and uh, they were really close. So this will do one of two things. This will say, "Well, hell, I'm leaving with Josh," or he'll say, "Exactly what Wes Wandu did when Marcus Foster left. I'm not doing that. I'm going." I've got a chance here to be pretty good. So uh, this is a big week. We might see some more guys gone next week if they don't make it through this weekend because they're working this weekend. Kleiman said that. This is not a normal off week. They're practicing Friday, Saturday. He wants some – most of these COVID outbreaks are coming after off weeks uh, when guys let their guard down. So he's trying to keep them busy all week. So we're going to see what this roster looks like in a week because Chris Kleiman is not going to put up with any kind of sour attitudes in the locker room. Can't have it. I mean, he's made it very clear. He doesn't want it. You're either in or you're out, and nobody's bigger than the program, and I love that. Uh, One thing about this question, is it – does it improve the attitude or focus of the receiver room in general? It might, but if these problems that Youngblood had, were they transferring over to guys like, you know, DJ Render, Landry Weber, Seth Porter? I mean, think about what's been on the field the last couple of weeks. There's really only one guy that was close to, to Youngblood as far as we know, and that's Knowles. So I think that's going to be the key here. But, I mean, even Chabaston Taylor, you know, he played – against TCU and and he hasn't been a problem and he probably needs to step up. But, you know, I, I think that it might've been a bad apple, but I don't think it was necessarily souring the whole batch. I think that, that this is, you know, one kind of isolated thing might've, you know, might've gone leaked over a little bit to, to Knowles, but, you know, aside from that, I feel like the room's probably pretty good. It's just, you know, somebody needs to step up and the wide receivers need a bit of, of confidence at this point. And until somebody has a breakout game, um, I think you're going to see the see the guys struggle. I mean, if Deuce Vaughn and Briley Moore are leading pass catchers, you know, even two or three games from now, I mean, it, that's got to be that's got to suck to be a wide receiver knowing that, hey, we can't even pull our own weight. So 
I think as soon as somebody decides, you know, I mean, they're able to pull their own weight. I think that'll, that'll help the, the wide receiver room more than, you know, getting rid of somebody that, you know, might've been a bad apple souring the whole bunch. Yeah. I mean, that's a good point. Once they start making plays again, you know, once Malik Knowles doesn't drop that touchdown pass and catches it, going to make life feel a whole lot better. Mm-hmm. Next question from Emarica. What are the odds that Malik Knowles leaves now that young blood has left? What does this mean for recruiting? 50-50, and if I'm a receiving recruit, I want to come to Kansas State because there is playing time awaiting. Yeah. And I think they're going to be fine. I think they're going to be fine over the long term. One of the things I like about this coaching staff is we we at Kansas State, if you're a fan, a journalist, or in, in administration, have been trained for years that when you need immediate help, you go to the junior college ranks. And we still do that. Is there any JUCO receivers? They need to go get JUCO receiver. What we're seeing from the staff is they will carve out a role for a true freshman and play him. And now with the four-game rule in a normal season, you can play him four games and, and get something out of them. So I think the freshman next year coming in at receiver are going to have a real opportunity to play a lot. You know, whether Malik Knowles decides this is the place for him or not, there's going to be some playing time available. Well, think about this. R.J. Garcia, K-State commit from Tampa, friends, friends with Josh Youngblood, told Wally this week, yeah, I'm still coming to K-State. You know, I'm friends with, with Josh, and he's doing what's best for him. But K-State's best for me. I think that R.J. Garcia sees it. You know, it's loud and clear for him. There is playing time available in the wide receiver room at K-State. And I think that, you know, if recruits are paying attention and, and the guys that are still on the board, man, this is – it could be interesting, you know, the next few weeks recruiting-wise, seeing, you know, up until – you know, getting up until that early signing day, you might see some guys emerge, and, and that might be the next commit. I wouldn't be surprised. I don't have any names, but, you know, I think it's a position that I think – could be hit pretty hard here, uh, provided they, um, you know, they go out and, and do the do the work there, and get the name out saying, hey, you know, that you could play. Next question from Powercat Ryan: What will K State's record be for the next three game stretch? Let's see. You've got Kansas, West Virginia, and Oklahoma State. Is that right? It's West Virginia, or excuse yep. me, Kansas, West Virginia, Oklahoma State. Yep. See how smart I am once in a while? Just once in a while, I show a glimmer Every of hope. Every once in a while. Um, <clears throat> I think Oklahoma State's better than Kansas State, uh, but I like that the game's in Manhattan. I wish there was a crowd there. and um, But I think two and one. I mean, I don't know. I, I West Virginia scares me. And uh, between that and Oklahoma State, I think they're going to trip up over on one of those two. Yeah, I mean, I think two and one's the safe answer here. Ku in the bag. If they go to West Virginia, I feel like they're more likely to be three and zero than two and one. I think if they go to West Virginia, they win. They're two and zero. They have that momentum. It's a home game against you know the other league leader. Man, I don't think I don't think K State's going to be a two and two and one. I think they're going to be one and two. You know, a loss at West Virginia, and then they're just kind of shaking up a little bit. They lose to Oklahoma State. Either one and two, or they're three and zero. 
But I mean, I think two, two and one's the safe answer there. I think it's, it's easy to look at West Virginia and Oklahoma state and just say, you know, one and one, they're probably going to split them. But man, I think that if they beat West Virginia, I think the momentum's there and I'd probably pick Oklahoma state or pick K state to beat OSU. I feel you, Zach. Um, you know, if you get that win in Morgantown, you've definitely got some momentum going. But I've, I'm, I'm, I'm on the fence with that game against West Virginia. That's not a gimme win yeah. um, by any means. So I think, they, I think they'll squeak a, a win out there in Morgantown. Um, but I, I think Oklahoma State's going to be a loss. So I'll go two and one. Um, so three, what is it, three weeks from now, we'll have at the beginning of that, that podcast, we'll give one of us a shout out, whoever was right. And they were 0-3, and, and it's a disaster. <laughs> <laughs> then, then we're not doing these podcasts if we're 0-3. Well, Les Miles will be president also. Yeah. I mean, if K-State goes 0-3 mm-hmm. in that same time period, Les Miles will win a write-in campaign for president. Do you think he's doing cameos during his quarantine? Should be. He should be doing Dr. Pepper commercials. If I buy a cameo, can I expense it, Fitz? Uh, sure. Okay. Sure. All expense a less miles cameo if he does it. It doesn't look like he's posted for a while, so we'll see if he if he's still. Oh, doing you're talking the about the actual website cameo. Yeah, it's expensive. Uh, yeah, I can't pay for that. So, do you think <laughs> I should do cameo? Like, you know, for buck twenty five, I'll I'll do uh, your your phone message as Robert Lipson. I don't think anybody. I'll, I'll pay, pay for, for it. That. I'll pay for it. Do you think I should get what is it called? Um, uh, I, there's, I think it's one of the Twitter accounts I follow keeps running ads for these damn things. Uh, but basically, it's the porn site. And, and yeah, I could do that. Like, pay me a dollar a month, and I'll send you topless photos of myself. That'll work. Oh, OnlyFans. Yeah, OnlyFans. <laughs> Is it like uh, because we're guys, or is that the Twitter account I follow that keeps spamming with with accounts from there? It's like, yeah, man, get this off my timeline. I'm a good Christian fella. The dogs didn't believe that at all. <laughs> the dog, he had got his own fan subscription. <laughs> <laughs> Next question is from Contra Cat. With common opponents of Kansas, Oklahoma State, and Tex- Texas, and West Virginia remaining. What record do you predict K-State and Iowa State to put up for those four games? God, these are tough. I, well, again, both, I, I think K-State's going to lose a couple games, but I don't think they're going to lose to Iowa State. So, yeah, there's two losses in there. Boom. I think K-State and Iowa State are going to beat West Virginia and KU. And then I think I think God. Oklahoma State, I think it's, it's going to be one and I think – Oklahoma or I think K State and Iowa State are going to split against Oklahoma State, so one and one there. And then Texas, I feel like Texas is going to go one and one, so it's probably. I keep predicting two losses, yeah. but I never predict they're going to lose to anyone. Right. <laughs> I'd probably say both teams are going to go three and one. I think that between Oklahoma State and Texas, I think K State will beat one of them, and Iowa State will beat the other one. And they'll both beat West Virginia and KU. So three and one each. And then it'll come down to K-State and Iowa State playing each other. It's going to be a crazy tiebreaker. And that Baylor game is probably going to have to get played at the end of the year by Oklahoma State. Oh, absolutely. Have to get played. 
Unless they're unless they're eight no. Unless they're eight no. Hey, I mean, you know what? If I'm Kansas State, I want them still to have to play the game. I, I you know, I mean, I don't know. I just think that's kind of cheap. We yep. all play. We've all put ourselves in peril ten times, and you're only going to do it nine times. And if you're unbeaten, you might sneak into a national championship opportunity by not playing a pretty good team in the conference. Hmm. Hmm. I, I don't know. Just It's a weird year, man. I feel like talking about national championship opportunities, though, you'd, hmm. you'd almost, if you probably almost don't want them playing it, you don't want them to lose the game so they can make the national championship. Yeah. I mean, if the game, if the game does not affect the final conference standings, it shouldn't be played. Period. Do not play it. It's unnecessary. That's rational. Quit being rational. I mean, if, if K State and KU, if K State goes 8 0, I mean, it'd be amazing. But, and then they have a game against KU to end it. I know it's a rivalry game, but is anybody going to be upset for not playing it and just me, playing the, the Big 12 championship game? Me. The advertisers and the media. Yeah. Well, how about them? You don't care about them. Sorry, I'm a high V guy, not a Dylan's guy. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Sorry. So much for that advertising opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> high V really needs to get on that Farmageddon. They need to trademark that themselves and I like it. Advertise that. I think with the four common opponents, Oklahoma State's the the one that's really tough to get a read on right now. I mean, we haven't really gotten to see who that team really can be because they haven't had Spencer Sanders at quarterback. So I, I don't know really any sort of prediction on, on that, that team, but I think, I think KU, pardon me, K-State, definitely not KU. I think K-State and Iowa State are going to get wins over Texas. Both of them are. That's just, that's just my I, take. I think Texas is done. I think it's only going to get worse. They're going to start piling up losses, and um, that's, that's typically what happens at Texas. That those guys, those five stars are not getting their way, and uh, they're going to chuck it in here pretty soon. Love to see it. Mm-hmm. Next question from Powercat Ryan. Fill in the blank. The two teams that could keep K-State out of the Big 12 championship game are... Oklahoma State blank. and Iowa State. Period. You lose both those games, you lose all the tiebreakers. So, um, because I think they're the... Right now, they're the three best teams in the conference. I really do. I don't think it's just a, a aberration of how the schedule works out. When two of the three teams have beaten Oklahoma... And the the third team, I think, is the best of the three. Yeah, I think um, that's where it gets interesting. Does Oklahoma really disturb things, disrupt things by beating Oklahoma State later in the year? Well, I, you know, Oklahoma's got two losses already. They're already down on the tiebreakers to two of those teams that are unbeaten. I think, yeah, I think Oklahoma State and Iowa State are the two hurdles that if K State can clear. They're really in a good position. And I would love to see what happens if K-State goes 9-0 and in the conference and that damn Arkansas State game is the blemish. I just uh, yeah. it might haunt them. I, I'll say West Virginia is the, the trip up for a non-K-State-Iowa State game. I think between Baylor, West Virginia, and Texas, I feel like West Virginia is probably the one – that I would say would be be tough. If they win that game, I feel like it's it's going to be gravy the rest of the year, you know. And 
the Baylor game just comes in a position where you've already played Oklahoma State and Iowa State. If you've won one of them, you know, Baylor's not, or even if you've won, won both of them, if you beat Oklahoma State and Iowa State, it's not really going to matter much what you do to Baylor. So, I mean, you, you still got to win it, but I don't think it's going to be a trip up game. So I'll say West Virginia at this point in the season is the outside of Oklahoma State and Iowa State, which are obviously the leaders there, is the, is the one game that I'd be worried about. Even though I much, even though I talked about all the confidence I have in K State beating West Virginia, I'm so, aware. I'm aware of my previous points. Does this question only pertain to you know who's upcoming on the schedule? Because it's yeah, a crazy well, season. I mean, Oklahoma or TCU. I, I don't see it happening, but you, you really never know. Those those two teams have a lot of talent and potential. So I, not, I guess the way I, I guess the way I see it is there isn't going to be some. At least I hope not. And it's so far down the road that it's kind of confusing, but I don't see TCU or OU winning a game that K-State needed them to lose, if yeah. that makes sense. I think yeah, those I scenarios that are that are obviously realistic, but you have so much other math to do to get to those points that I just kind of focused on games that are within K-State's control and their destiny. Those programs have both lost to K-State and Iowa State. They're both one and two. So they got a lot yeah. of work to do. Yeah, I think yeah. it's going to no, be I totally tough. agree. Yeah, I think it's, it's just tough. you never know at these times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if any of those teams can, you know, play spoiler at this point, especially to, to teams they've already lost to. So I don't think that's realistic. Last question of the podcast. Fitz, you hinted towards it earlier. It's from Dr. J54. If we run the table and go nine and one, Will the Arkansas State loss keep us out of the national playoffs? Unlikely to happen, but I wanted to ask when it could still happen. Probably, uh, but it also just – you got to know what everyone else has got on their table. I mean, Big Ten hadn't even started yet. This bothers me when I see Big Ten teams ranked. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. just – this year of all years, it shouldn't be ranked until you play games. But, uh, you know, that's what's funny. Then then you're asking voters to say, well, how, Ohio State just beat Northwestern by four touchdowns. They're number three in the nation. You know, it, it, so I understand that it's kind of difficult. But, um, yeah, what's going to happen here? You know, by playing fewer games, possibly there's fewer chances to lose. But it looks like you're playing fewer games because you're not playing those non-conference games that almost everyone at that level scheduling wins. So, um, but there are some big games out there. I mean, USC, Notre Dame, they're not going to play. I don't know if they were going to play anyhow. I think they were. Uh, so what if USC goes 7-0? and and, and aren't they playing seven games in the Pac-12? I how think does, so. How does that compare to K-State going 9-1 and with a loss to an Arkansas State team that they shouldn't have lost to, but it was the first game of the season, and you guys didn't even play those games? I mean, do you, it bothers me if K-State and anyone from the Big 12 is going to get punished for playing a non-conference game in favor of teams that played no non-conference games and played fewer games on top of that. I don't know how they're going to do all this, uh, but I'll just I'll, I'll say this quite bluntly and clearly. If there's an opportunity to screw K-State, we've seen through history, K-State will get screwed. That's just kind of the way history's been. Nobody wants K-State in their damn playoff unless they can't be denied. 
in Arkansas State gives them a reason to deny entry. Period. I mean, if, if K-State rattles off 10 straight games, you know, winning that Big 12 championship game, there is no excuse for the committee to leave them out. None. No excuse whatsoever. And that includes Iowa State. If they go 9-0, mm -hmm. win the Big 12 championship game, and if they're the champions, they have no excuse to leave them out either. Same as Oklahoma State, even though they didn't lose that non-conference game to Tulsa. So I, I think that there's going to reach a time where if the Big 12 can play the most complete schedule, you know, even with the non-con, but, you know, they, they've played a normal schedule in what would have been a normal year, essentially. They get rid of two non-conference games, but they played everybody. Can't say the same about the SEC, the Big 10, the ACC. I don't know about the ACC, but the, the Pac-12 for sure. You know, there's going to be a real cry saying, hey, we play legit season. Yeah, we might have lost to Arkansas State, but you got to put us in. We went 9-0. and If we go 9-0 and in another year and do this in another year, we're in the playoff. So I think that, you know, there's a good opportunity here that we finally can see a disruption in who makes the playoff. And, and if, you know, if the SEC isn't able to sort out their COVID problems and if, you know, Georgia and Alabama, you know, all those games, Florida and whoever else they were playing get postponed. Um, you know, if we're playing games all the way into December or January and the Big 12's done, you know, sitting with a, you know, a 9-0 and team that's a champion, it's going to be tough to hold them out. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter who the team is from the Big 12, but if someone looks legit and they would have been a champion and in the playoff in a normal year, they should be there. No, that's true. If it's not Kansas state or Baylor or TCU or who else, Texas tech, maybe tech would get in. That's, that's the one that bothers me. I don't know. Tech probably would because Patrick Mahomes went there. Oh yeah. That's why yeah, he'd get the, they get yeah. the Mahomes rub. Ooh. Well, that's it for this podcast. Oh, Gills, you got anything to say on that? Mm, not really. I agree. That, that, that's that's the class exact line, right? There we go. <laughs> what you say to the boss? I agree. I feel like I feel like that's a Fitz line. It's a yeah. It's not me. Yeah. When I lean into it's the a... mic and quite thoughtfully say, yes. That's it. Yes. That is, is this that. is this podcast over? Throw in the towel. It is. That's all we got. We'll talk to you next week. PowerCat Podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com and Spirit Street Publishing. What if I told you imaginary friends are real? This is just so exciting. Now, get ready for the movie event with the greatest cast you've ever imagined. Showtime. Ryan Reynolds, John Krasinski, Kaylee Fleming, Fiona Shaw, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Louis Gossett Jr., Matt Damon, Emily Blunt, George Clooney, Maya Rudolph, Bradley Cooper, Sebastian Maniscalco, John Stewart, Sam Rockwell, Aquafina, Keegan-Michael Key, and Steve Carell. I need to throw up or I need a snack. It's one of the two. Gross. If. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Written and directed by John Krasinski.